You're listening to a Westpac Wire podcast. Westpacwire.com.au. For a long time, sustainable business, or CSR, has been seen by some as a nice to have. However, investors, even regulators, are starting to take a different view. They want to know that consideration of environmental and social risks are being embedded into the day to day operations of businesses. And today, we know trust in institutions is low. So earlier this year, 28 banks came together globally to draft a set of principles to define and commit to sustainable, responsible banking. With the draft principles now launched, are we hitting the mark? My name's Javon Tuhill, and I'm joined today by Simon O'Connor of the Responsible Investment Association of Australasia. Simon, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Javon. So Simon, I wonder if you could start by telling me a bit about the purpose of RIA, or the Responsible Investment Association. Well... At its simplest, the Responsible Investment Association wants to see more capital being directed towards sustainable assets and businesses. We want to see the capital markets and finance flowing towards the type of economy, businesses, investments that are required for the 21st century economy. So that's really the crux of it. But what we do in terms of the practice of that, well, we're a membership body, an industry body, so we help our members on one side to stay right on top of all the issues they need to know about, best thinking, best practice, highlighting what's going on in the markets. And on the other side, we're trying to raise consumer awareness that there is a way to align your own investments and banking and savings with your values and ethics and the things you're really deeply committed to. So we work on those two sides. Uh, and can you tell me a bit about who are your members? You know, Are they small, big, everything in between? Yeah, it's a real hodgepodge group, actually. So our members go from sovereign wealth funds and the largest super funds in Australia, some of our big banks, um, a lot of fund managers um, who are managing superannuation funds, managed funds, but all the way through to financial advisors um, and really everything in between. So we, we really stretch from the retail end to the institutional end of the market. Um, and it's an interesting one because when our members come together, they have conversations across that whole spectrum, which I think is really one of the great values of that community that we have there, that 230, 240 members. Um, we have a few civil society groups in there as well. Um, and we kind of welcome that because we kind of know we need that whole community if we're going to achieve the grand objectives we've set ourselves. So, um, so yeah, it's a big disparate group there. And can you tell me a bit about how investors gauge what is a responsible organisation that they are investing in or might be looking to invest in? Yeah, so... Um, Consistent with that thread that my members are really diverse, there's a lot that drives them to responsible investing. And we know there's a lot of jargon around this area, sort of responsible investing, ethical investing, impact investing, and it goes on. And we really haven't been very great at the, the, the semantic side here. But um, fundamentally, I think what brings that whole community together is they all understand there's a lot more going on to drive investment returns, to drive valuations um, than than simply what is found in a profit and loss statement or a financial statement. So they're all in one way, shape or form trying to systematically understand all of these other factors that influence company uh, performance. The sometimes called non-financial factors, I kind of like to call them extra financial factors or, you know, the environmental issues, the social issues, how well companies are managing their workforce, their communities they operate in, their environmental footprint, uh, corporate governance, internal ethics, all of these factors we know are, are shifting share markets on a day-to-day -day basis. In fact, more than ever, I think there are just textbook examples of how these factors, traditionally seen as non-financial, are moving values, moving share markets. So 
all of my members fundamentally want to understand that better. Some of them, they come to it from an ethical perspective, from a values-based lens. They want to you know, n- not have exposure or not own certain companies or industries that they see as socially harmful. Some, this is a pure investment risk perspective. They just see this as a better way of understanding all the factors that are driving investment returns. Um, so that's kind of what our members are trying to put in place, a really a systematic process for better understanding all these other factors that are influencing their investments. So when you talk about a systematic process, clearly there are tools and frameworks that members are using to shape their approach um, and to really, I guess, validate their commitments. Um, where do things like, say, the, pros- the principles for responsible investment fit in? Yeah, so they've, that's been a really important initiative over the last 10, 11 years um, that has really tried to embed this concept of responsible investment into a much more rigorous systematic process, you know, rather than us all sort of say, yeah, we kind of get this stuff's important. We're kind of looking at it. We know some of these things are influencing. Um, but it's really been helpful to put in place a systematic process and practices so that investors can kind of say, okay, so in every investment decision make decision that we make on a daily basis, we will assess the climate risk exposure of a business or an asset or, you know, the strong, the long list of ESG, environmental, social and governance factors that can and may impact that investment. So it's really been a bit of a guiding light to kind of formalise and almost standardise practices within this responsible investing community and they they continue to put out kind of leading practice guides and just continue to push and lift the standards. So I think um, it's been highly successful in bringing in really the mainstream part of the investment community at the big asset owners, the big global pension funds, the asset managers and the fund managers of the world um, behind a much more systematic framework and approach to doing responsible investment. So it's been really important and as a signaling thing when you've got 2,000 or so members who manage, to be honest, I don't even know how many trillions it is today. It's a lot of money who are all committed to doing this. That sends a very loud signal to the businesses listed on stock exchanges around the world that on a day-to-day basis, they are being assessed on their sustainability management, um, just full stop. And so that's really been important from the signalling down downstream to the companies themselves. Yeah, and I think it's really, it is quite extraordinary how big um, the PRI has become over the last couple of years. And uh, as you know, it was born out of the UNEP file, United Nations Environment Program Finance Initiative. And really reflecting on that, um, I guess there are three groups that sit within Unit Fire, the investors, the insurers and the banks. And uh, the investors came up with PRI. Then we've seen the insurers come up with the principles for sustainable insurance. And then late last year, earlier this year, we've had a group of banks come together and say, actually, we want to be part of this movement as well and have been working on their principles for um, uh, responsible banking. So I'm curious then, um, what is a group like uh, RIA? What do you think about banks taking a step towards um, defining or codifying, coming up with principles for responsible banking? So me personally, I'm, I'm an analyst and an economist from background. So I'm going to start this from mm-hmm. a really cynical perspective. I'm going to look at it and go, oh, here we go. Another initiative. <laughs> yep. Is this one going to stack up or is it another you know, high level motherhood statement, grandiose sounding, but has no substance? Um, so that's my starting point. It's terrible, isn't it? We've gotten to that point of being that cynical. But um, but, you know, when I have a look through that, um, I actually, I, I was impressed on the upside of what I'm seeing emerging from this. And I think, um, you know, what what was really interesting is it starts at the outset from what I've read in this, and I know it's a, in, you know, in process and in development still, but it starts at the outset about setting out 
the direction as to where we want to get to as banks. What are we trying to achieve as opposed to starting from the how are we going to do it? And I think 10 years ago, 11 years ago, the PRI has been focused very much on how we're going to do it and what the process looks like and how we're going to embed really technically smart processes in our investments. But it talks not at all about why we're doing this and what we're trying to achieve and the purpose for this. And so I really like that the um, the principles for responsible banking sort of flips that on its head actually and starts with where we want to get to and then sets out at a high level but quite clear commitments and I think relatively stretch commitments because the other thing when initiative comes out of a sector you kind of expect that they're going to set very achievable non-challenging goals you know this sorry this is my cynical side again Siobhan I'm going to admit mm, that but, mm, mm. but I was pleased to see that you're actually setting yourselves you know, targets and the, the the commitment to be reporting and benchmarking. You know that what leading practice is going to look like, and so as a result, you you're putting yourself out there to be much more transparent and accountable. And so it's a it's a good starting point, I would I would say. And I think um, if it can achieve what the PRI has done in terms of really bringing together this industry, the mainstream of the industry, and really getting that the banking sector behind the objective and the clear sort of direction, then I think that can be a really powerful, really powerful initiative. So I'm I'm coming from a place of cynicism. I'm going to end with some optimism that I think it's a really good, mm. a good looking initiative at this point in time. So when you're, um, I guess, putting your, yourself in the shoes of, say, one of your members, yeah. what do you think they would expect um, the attributes of a sustainable or a responsible bank to look like? Um, so, so, I mean, that, that's... Um, and it's sort of about the, and I'm tying this back into the principles a little bit as well, because I think we've kind of gotten to a point where a lot of us have been talking about this for quite a long time. Um, we're all going bald and getting grey over this kind of stuff. Our last two decades of doing this. Indeed. Um, and we're kind of at a point where really nice reporting and really nice policies and commitments is, is good and okay and, and great. But uh, the investment community is really wanting to cut through now and really say, well, what actually have you set yourselves out to achieve? Are you achieving it? Show me the data and the metrics to show your trajectory as to where you're heading. Um, don't be afraid of telling me the areas you have not succeeded in because we actually think that's quite a good signpost that you're actually getting good data. Um, and don't fudge the metrics. And, the, and, and I think fundamentally, though, with businesses like banks that are so huge and have so many like different operations and focus areas, it comes down to you guys being really clear on what is your sphere of influence, what are your most you know, material kind of impacts and areas, that phrase we love to use, materiality, um, telling us why you think that's what those areas are and telling us how you're working against those. So it really does cut through to your, um, you know, that reporting. And, and I think when we start to see you setting targets, then that becomes really strong because it says, right, you're not just sort of reporting on current operations. You have actually set yourself a goal as to where you want to get to. So in a roundabout way, that's kind of my answer to that one. So the core commitment of the principles is alignment with the Paris Agreement and the Sustainable Development Goals. Do you think we've hit on the right approach? Um, you know, there was a lot of discussion, for example, about lots of other frameworks and they've, put into, they've been put into the guidance notes, but do you think we've kind of hit on the right areas of focus? Uh, yeah, I, I do, actually. And what I'm pleased to be seeing is for a long time we haven't really had the framework that all of us are aiming to achieve. And I think that's been a bit of a, a, bit of a gap for all of us in sustainability. Um, and so it's kind of nice to see this convergence emerging 
around corporate Australia and the finance sector and certainly from our investors as well, where the SDGs and the Paris Agreement, I think people have just said, right, they will do as our goal right now. Let's use them. They're globally um, supported frameworks and objectives. Let's aim for that. And so a lot of our members, you know, that tends to be the SDGs and Paris tend to be the two emerging frameworks that most of um, the responsible investment community are using to align. And so I think having the banking sector aligned around that, having the rest of the corporate um, sector aligned around that, I think that becomes really helpful. And it's like, yep, that'll do. Let's get on with it and aim for that. It sort of um, gives us all a sense that we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting point. You know, I often think of, I guess, Paris Agreement and the SDGs as very much around, they are. it's the convening conversation amongst business, civil society and government. Mm. So it's kind of a place to start yeah. um, and where we can kind of step off from. Yeah, and it's very all-encompassing, the SDGs. You know, there's a lot that we can, there's more than we can ever probably unpack in that. So it allows us to focus on most of those important issues. Which then kind of leads me to reflect on then the importance of materiality and the reporting and review mechanism uh, that are set out in the principles is very much focused on banks taking a materiality approach. So when I say materiality, that is what's what matters most to my business, but also what matters most to my stakeholders and really looking at where the match is. So it very much is about honing into those issues that matter most, but also reflecting on the positive and the negative impacts and setting those targets and then looking to ratchet that over time. And and the review mechanism is framed in three different stages from self-assessment through to external assurance or review. Um, What does an effective review mechanism look like to you? Um, You know, this is one of these tricky operational elements to, Mm -hmm. to all of these commitments. I think it's really important that you have that level of detail in there. I think that's a great starting point. I think there is sort of a spectrum on that sort of um, effectiveness. And I think the external assurance is the top of that spectrum. You know, that's where people will find uh, the most comfort that you have actually, what you're saying you are doing, you have had assured, it's complete and comprehensive assurance. I think that's going to become the gold standard effectively. That said, there's merit in each point along that spectrum. Um, but I think that becomes the gold standard really just in terms of uh, letting those all those external stakeholders, the investment community and, and community and others um, understand that what you're doing and what you're saying you're doing, you are delivering upon. And I just think in our world today, we kind of need that third-party verification more and more in so many areas as much as you know this this particular area as it is in terms of responsible and ethical investment products out in the market i think consumers and the public want to see that to kind of help them cut through a lot of the noise and a lot of the information that is just flooding them on a daily basis so mm. Now, I guess building on this um, uh, around that kind of spectrum of participating banks, um, I had a chat with uh, Nathan Fabian, um, well known to many here in Australia, given he previously led the investor group on climate change in Australia and is now an executive uh, with the PRI. And I was curious to get his feedback, given the success of PRI, and get a sense around whether we pitched the stringency right on the principles for responsible banking. And his advice around hitting a sweet spot, um, around setting the bar high enough um, and around requiring banks to set targets to tackle those negative and positive impacts. So he kind of reflected on that, but also talked about ensuring that we're open enough to allowing those banks that are fairly early in their sustainability journey. And he kind of reflected that you need to have enough critical mass in the early days to build momentum, uh, but you also need to have that credibility. What's the baseline that your members would expect of a responsible bank to be participating or signing up to the principles? Yeah, it's a it's one of those sort of 
philosophical questions we have a lot and the PR has a lot as to, you know, is this the broad church that welcomes everyone because we want to bring them in and move them forward or is this just an elite club of leaders? And and generally, I think from a theory of change kind of perspective, you want to get everyone in the door and then ratchet it up. And, um, and so I think, but you don't want to compromise the fundamental objective of what you're trying to do there um, by making that bar too low. And so, you know, from what I'm seeing there, I'm seeing a really nice um, balance to hit both those sides. Like I think you, I think Nathan's entirely correct in what he's what you know the the advice he's given there. I'd, I'd really agree with that entirely. And I and I think what I see from the principles so far is that actually it's probably um, set somewhat more challenging than well certainly than maybe the PRI was set. And I think that's a that's a reflection of where we're at today in 2018 compared to 10 years ago. And I think it's really interesting that we are in a position now where we can be talking much more about the purpose of finance and what our role is in society and and what we're trying to achieve here. And um, and that's influenced by a whole raft of things. It's influenced by rapidly accelerating climate change. It's influenced by royal commissions. It's influenced by, you know, a focus back on consumers and, and what our real role is in terms of serving the community and consumers. And so I think you need to use that window of opportunity that allows you to set the initial parameters at that more challenging level. Um, and so I think it looks like you're doing that, which is great. Um, and I think if you can get the critical mass, then the others will follow anyway, because they'll need to be there because it'll be very, their absence will be very visible. Um, and that's good. Because then we get to start stretching, and um, and I think our objective here is to lift the tide, um, and so yeah, that's probably the way I would see it. And I mean, this is something we talk about a lot as an organisation ourselves, of course. And um, do you just want everyone in there? And what is our role as an industry body, often as well, in terms of speaking on behalf of our members? And you know, we kind of set ourselves very clearly that we will always take a very strong leading and front of industry approach in our commentary and we won't sort of be held back by the lowest common denominator in our membership um, and our members basically have to they know that when they sign up they have to deal with that and that's okay which means at times we're going to be saying some of our members aren't up to scratch or the, some of the practices of our members aren't quite where they should be and that's okay because we're all moving forward as long as they're making progress um, so i think the principles for responsible banking to have credibility um, probably needs to take a similar approach and by setting it up at the outset with a very clear set of parameters and principles I think that's a good start. Yeah and I think it's an interesting point that you make because it's for us it's going to be all about our relative performance year on year and how we're all respectively moving towards our own targets depending on where we're at in our own journey. Um, so UNITFI is, is now keen to get more than 100 banks to sign up to the principles in this really early phase. And we're seeing the power of, of thousands of investors now signed up to PRI. So we look across to the, the investors and say, wow, you know, that's extraordinary, the momentum that you've built up. When you reflect on the impact that that's now had on, um, you know, in the investment community and the impact it's having through the way in which investors now think about um, investing, what do you think the impact of a wide uptake of the principles for responsible banking might look like? Um, well, I, I think all we're learning at the moment um, in so many ways is that all of our companies, our organisations have to be tied into actually 
delivering something of value to society, you know, and it has to go back to what the hell are we doing for our clients, for Australians, for people that we're working for. And if we can't justify what we're actually creating from value to society perspective, then we have no utility or function or, you know, and so I think this really helps to frame and focus the banks on what their purpose are, what, what they're trying to achieve, um, what their role in society is, the fact that banks are so integral to providing that capital, that fuel of the economy to building the kind of world we need for the 21st century economy. We're not going to solve climate change or inequality or any of these big issues without banks and finance. Like it or not, that's, you know, nor investors, you know, they're going to play a role. Um, so I think by setting the guiding sort of principles and directions of banks, I can see that as being really helpful in terms of just reasserting that core purpose of finance and banking and going back to almost basics as terms of the, the role there. Um, uh, so I think it can be quite impactful from that regard. Um, I think it's all about setting it up right at the outset, making sure the body that's overseeing that can probably acknowledge at the outset they're going to continue to need to ratchet that up over time as well and it's not a stagnant um, point in time it won't look like it does today in 10 years and i think that's what pri is going through now continuing to sort of reconfigure well, how do we build in purpose and outcomes and our impact into the principles do we add another principle do we start kicking out members who aren't making progress which they're starting to do um, how do they kind of leverage uh, their position now to continue to ensure it it, um, it is stepping up and moving forward commensurate with the needs of society, the needs of um, uh, the broader world. So I think that's going to sort of determine how impactful it is going forward. Um, it's been interesting when we've been speaking to other stakeholders they have talked about how we, I guess, refer to other kinds of um, tools or reporting mechanisms like TCFD or Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosure, which is very much around a framework for reporting on climate risk for large organisations. Do you think that should be brought out more strongly or do you think it's back to materiality? Um, so, so it's interesting. There, there is, tends to be, again, some convergence going on around a few really important critical tools, um, TCFD being one of those. And and that's because if we get that right, if we get reporting on climate-related risks, it feeds so much, it makes so many of the other things we're trying to do much easier. Investors can then see very clearly who's well prepared for a two-degree future, climate risk exposures of companies. It can feed data into portfolios so investment managers can understand their portfolio exposures. Um, and so I think you know there are going to be some initiatives that are so critical to everything else working that, yeah, you want to call them out explicitly. Um, and I think we're starting to see that emerge. I mean, it's really interesting looking at Europe and the UK and other parts of the world. There's a really strong policy push around these areas of sustainable finance right now. And it's something that's entirely or nearly entirely absent in Australia, unfortunately. Um, that said, some of our regulators very much have these issues on the radar, which is great, APRA and the ASIC. And, um, but we're watching that very closely because I think things like TCFD and other elements that are entirely consistent and supporting what's been set up in the principles for responsible banking um, are being built into the legislative frameworks now. So, in fact, um, this is going to be just uh, not 
a sort of opt-in voluntary initiative. But as far as we can see, things are moving ahead very rapidly where many of these same issues will be built into just the rules of compliance and practice. And if Europe does it, the UK does it, Canada does it, China, and a number of other jurisdictions, well then any international organisation based in Australia, that's going to be the benchmark of legislation that we operate to anyway. Um, so I think long way of saying calling out some of those initiatives like a TCFD is probably helpful because it becomes again just a consistent framework so we can be comparing apples with apples across jurisdictions and it all just gets some of those practical processes in place that makes so much of the other stuff a bit easier. I think it's a really interesting point you make around how different parts of the globe are moving around this at the moment and I have to say being one of the participating banks um, in this um, process, working and learning from 27 others um, around the world and understanding kind of where the shifts are happening has been really powerful. And I think we've learned a lot from each other. Uh, that in itself has been um, a really fantastic part of this. Um, and I think also what's going to be really important now as we kind of move into the um, engagement phase of the draft principles is seeking feedback. And it's been great to chat to you today, Simon, to hear a bit about your views. And we really encourage um, others to provide your feedback, um, you know, log on, have a look at the website and, uh, and help us shape these draft principles into our final principles for next year. So thank you, Simon, for coming in today and joining me on our podcast. Pleasure. Thanks, Siobhan. That's all from us today at Westpac Wire. For more, head to westpacwire.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.